0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. As noted in the opening session of the IFT First Conference in Chicago last week, the food that brought us together during the pandemic and which fuels us every day is in a crisis as climate change intensifies, pushing companies to weave sustainability more aggressively and creatively into every aspect of their businesses. And those that do are not only rewarded with a sense of pride in doing what's right, but often they reap cost savings, earn consumer respect, drive higher sales, and find inspiration for new innovations that keep employees and shoppers engaged at a time when competition for both is heating up. At the Summer Fancy Food Show in New York City last month, executives with White Farms and Filippo Barrio showed how they place sustainability at the center of their businesses and find environmentally friendly solutions for challenges ranging from ingredient sourcing, production, packaging, distribution, and even the end of life for their products. They also share in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast how these opportunities are impacting their top and bottom lines. And where else they and the entire food and beverage industry still need to progress. For both Wyke Farms and Filippo Berrio, environmental sustainability is part of their corporate DNA, not just a side project or a reaction to the worsening climate change or even a response to rising consumer demand. This reflects both their commitment to the planet and underscores the dramatic shift in corporate responsibility which Rich Clothier, Managing Director of Wyke Farms, describes as no longer optional, but mandatory.
1: The days have gone when you, you know, when farmers could say, or our businesses could say, oh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to reduce the impact on the environment unless, you know, I get more money for it or whatever. I don't think it's optional anymore. I think our shoppers expect us and want us to be doing this. And I think that it's right that we expect that because, you know, we, all of us have to produce dairy products, the best quality products we can, in a way that has a minimal impact on the environment. So I think we've gone past the optional phase. I think that it's very much the fabric of what all manufacturers have to do now.
0: Wyke Farm's deep respect for the planet was instilled multiple generations back and reinforced by Claudier's parents and grandparents, and specifically his grandmother Ivy, who he said often intoned, if you look after nature, nature will look after you. Equally important, according to Claudier, is sharing how the company does this, not just to win consumers and sell more cheese, but to help raise the industry standard and blaze a trail for others in the industry to follow, which is one reason why the company recently created and launched the first carbon-neutral certified cheddar cheese, which Claudier proudly noted is named after his grandmother, Ivy
1: grandmother ivy especially was a really really good cheesemaker she was the first person in the family to write the recipe down and so that everyone would would make it exactly the same every day she was very focused on the flavors and um, the texture of our cheddar and um, to to make sure it was the best cheddar it could always be every time people bought it and I think that's something that still runs through the business and you know she was a fantastic cook she you know she baked bread and biscuits and everything else and, and my grandfather was a really good farmer who, who sort of cared for his cows and they they grew up in a in the early 1900s in Somerset where you know, they didn't have very much. So everything they did have, they treated everything as if it was a finite resource. They never wasted anything. And um, they, they brought the family up to say that, you know, if you look after nature, nature will look after you. And that's why for us it was really important for our ivy's vintage cheddar which is named after my grandmother to be carbon neutral and as kind to the environment as it possibly could be as well as being a cheese that she would be absolutely proud of if she was here today with us so um, it's a brand that for me drives a lot of emotion and and sentiment because it is, you know, it's named after my grandmother. So it's a really special sort of cheese that we enjoy with family and friends. And it's really nice to be in a position now where we're, you know, just starting to export it to the U.S. and introduce new family and friends to it, which is what we want to do.
0: Claudia explains that Wake Farms opted to work at the Carbon Trust to certify its Ivy's vintage cheddar, as a way to complement and affirm the stories from the farm that it loves to share with consumers.
1: Um, The carbon certification is very much part of the quantitative data that people look for, for reassurance and affirmation. So I think we, we talk a lot about the things we do on you know with renewable energy and and everything else and i think that the 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 carbon trust certification can be just a a mark of reassurance that back up some of those um some of those qualitative stories that we talk about and and i think that's very much the case with you know most shoppers they're not they're not necessarily tuned into you know grams of carbon per, you know, kilo or whatever. I think they're, you know, they're, they're excited and enthused by the qualitative stories that we can share and that they can enjoy, but also be reassured, be reassured by the fact that, you know, we're carrying the Carbon Trust, Carbon Footprint um, logo. And um, that 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 gives the reassurance on the on the numbers side of it, but actually there's a there's a thousand really great stories we could tell about our products, and I think we should never get we should never get away from telling those nice stories about the product because that's what brings food to life for people, isn't it? People love talking about food. If you have a dinner party and you you know you have a cheese board people want to talk about the cheeses you know where our cheeses come from in Somerset close to cheddar and the fact that you know the wind blows in from the sea up through cheddar gorge and we get grass growing all year round and the cows graze the lush grasses and the Mendip hills and because of that we are we able to make this fantastic cheese from you know the milk from the cows and I think Those are the stories that really excite people. And I think sometimes these technical things are there to provide affirmation or, um, but I don't think we should ever get away from the sort of the poetry of producing beautiful food.
0: At Wake Farms, these stories include recycling water, generating renewable energy, encouraging biodiversity, and using everything the farm has to offer, including manure from the cows.
1: First of all, my grandparents you know were believed in you know recycling and reusing and um, um, so one of the things that we do in our dairy is we recycle and reuse water, so we 've got a membrane process that cleans up the water so that we can use it again, so we use ninety percent less water than um, a dairy like us would use normally. The thing about dairies is dairies use a lot of water for washing um equipment and things like that and we're able to clean that water up and use it again and also we've we've got projects on our farms where we collect roof water as well so a lot of farms will use a lot of roof water for a lot of the functions that they would on farms so we can um and luckily it rains quite a lot in the uk as well so if you collect roof water you can collect a lot of water so we um so we do everything we can really to reduce water stress and recycle water we also and produce all of our energy from renewable sources so we've got solar panels on the roofs to generate our power um, but we've also got an anaerobic digester which we use to generate um, biogas from um, farm waste and um, the biogas we use to run generators which generates our renewable energy but also generates heat as well and we also use the biogas to fuel our boilers for generating our steam in the dairy so all of the energy that we use comes from renewable sources and um, we recycle all of the water that we use and then we also um, we also work with the farmers in, in the region as well to um, to produce as much milk as we can from grass and forage and grazing and um, just doing everything that we can to reduce those carbon emissions on farms, and 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 then we work on farm biodiversity as well. So our farmers are growing, you know, wide, nice, wide hedgerows. They've got conservation areas, and. Um, and we actually incentivize them to grow wider hedges because we think the hedges are really important um, in terms of providing corridors for wildlife. So we think it's nice to have areas of conservation, like you know you might have a, a wetland area or a lake or, or a wooded area. But if those areas are isolated from each other, it's not much good for the animals. So we believe and encourage our farmers to have these wider edge rows and they act as wildlife corridors that link up all the uncultivated areas which um, improve biodiversity and um, a, a wider range of wildlife and bird life as well we also work with the farmers in in using things like manure for the animals as a very valuable fertilizer So um, we collect the waste material off of our anaerobic digester and our farmers use that as an organic fertilizer. So that helps to lower their carbon footprint. It also improves the nutrient structure in the soils because it's, a, it's an organic liquid fertilizer that comes from an organic base. So it actually provides some soil structure and helps to improve the, um, improve the soils. So um, it's just one of a number of things that we do to just try and make every operation that we have as circular as possible
0: while the process of becoming carbon neutral certified or adopting other new more sustainable practices can require notable upfront costs claudier says they generate cost savings as well
1: can seem initially like you know there's quite a bit of front loaded cost but actually you can you can save a lot of costs as well, because one thing that carbon footprinting does is it will identify areas of waste and areas for improvement, and which also make the businesses more efficient as well.
0: Like Wyke Farms, protecting the planet is embedded deeply in the olive oil and traditional Italian food company, Filippo Berio, which from its headquarters in the center of a nature preserve, is advancing sustainability through new packaging and new products. At the Summer Fancy Food Show, company CEO Marco De Celia explained how Filippo Barrio's 360-degree approach to sustainability is not only better for the planet, but also the business.
2: A factory in the province of Lucca. It's a very large industrial plant, but it's sitting on a natural preserve. So uh, that, that this is a place where migrating birds rest and this gives you an idea, an idea of the environmental profile of our company because we have a large industrial plant that has, is allowed to stay in the middle of a natural preserve. So we take care of, of course, water treatment, noise, everything in order not to you know, be a, a, an unlawful uh, uh, occupant of a natural reserve. And then this is also the way we work with our suppliers, we work with our employees, so we try to do many, many, many things. Uh, in Near the factory there is an estate uh, with some uh, olive, some 20,000 olive trees. But that estate is, has become a, lab, a laboratory. So the company has partnered with the Italian Institute of, National Institute of Research. So we have three projects running in conjunction with the Italian Institute of Research. One is on the development of ways to, I don't know if you know or not, but there is a parasite that can attack the olive trees which is called Silella fastidiosa, it's a strange name. Fastidiosa means annoying, (laughs) but it's much more than annoying, because the poor trees are going to die. So it's uh, Silella very fastidiosa, in a sense. So so we are developing, uh, we are dedicated a part of the estate to uh, study methodologies, on how to prevent this parasite, of course with natural, because you can bombard them with chemicals, but then uh, so you, you kill the parasite but then you have another damage. So we are developing, together with the National Institute of Research, the government, Italian government, ways of uh, protecting the trees from this parasite in natural ways. The second project is uh, uh, studying ways of having modern farming technologies uh, which improve the way you treat the, the land and the trees, so for example using drones to monitor the humidity in the land, how the trees are doing, when to do the pruning, and, and so on. This is very important. And another one, which again, going to be very proud, uh, we dedicated part of the estate to rediscover all the olive cultivars that have been historically abandoned, maybe because commercially they were a bit less viable or some reasons. And this is very interesting. So we have in our estate about 15. Uh, uh, cultivars the cultivars are the type of olive trees are called cultivars and, uh, and many of these were really almost disappeared and they're interesting so so we're doing this and we're also very convinced that diversity in, in everything I mean human beings and also olive trees is a very positive thing it, it enriches and, and it is, becomes more sustainable the thing uh, i'm Personally, I'm a bit skeptical. There are some new ar- um, agriculture techniques for olive-, for olive oil that is called Super Intensive. Uh, it's a different way of planting the trees. Actually, they never develop into trees. They, they remain bushes. And then you can harvest with a bigger, like the grapes, with big machines that go on top of the thing and so on, which is very nice. They increase the yield in a natural way and, and so on. The problem I have in there is that only few olive cultivars lend themselves to these treatments so i my fear is that if everybody goes for the efficiency then we're going to end up with even fewer olive type of olive trees we understand that this is the the new frontier for the consumer products so selling a healthy product is fundamental oh, yes. of course we're talking about food selling a flavor so the product has to be good that's an, also another given but we now have to be a good actor as a company, as an operator, because this is what the consumer wants.
0: Citing data from the Harvard Business Review, Decelia noted that in more than 90 percent of CPG categories, sustainability marketed products grew faster than their conventional counterparts, delivering nearly $114 billion in sales. Likewise, 50 percent of CPG growth from 2013 to 2018 came from sustainably marketed products. To meet consumer demand as well as live its mission of producing and supplying quality olive oil that is produced sustainably, De Chelya said the company is proud to introduce to the U.S. the first olive oil bottle made with 50% recycled PET to reduce reliance on virgin plastic and also create market demand for the material that will in turn encourage more consumers to recycle. Uh,
2: so we are very happy to introduce the first bottle in the United States, as far as olive oil, that we know, know which is uh, made with 50% recycled PET. This is very important because, of course, as you can imagine, this reduces the, the creation of virgin plastic by 50%, which is, which is a lot. And we, we're talking about millions of bottles that, of course, we have every year. So this is very important. We, we consider this just as a starting point, because eventually we would like to get to 100% recycled P T And we, we are starting with the smaller pack sizes, we have also very larger containers in plastic. There we want to be careful because we want to control the technology, we want to make sure that the structure of the bottle doesn't have any weaknesses by increasing the percentage of recycled PET. Yep. So, so far we are very happy, this, the, the 25 ounces, the um, 17 ounces, and eventually the 51 ounces are going to be with 50% recycled PET. As soon as we, we master more this, we're going to increase the percentage and we're going to go to bigger tech sizes so that eventually our goal would be all our plastic would be recycled. Now, there is an interesting point because our products, of course, are made in Italy, the the, the bottles of the plant is, is in Italy. There, there is availability of recycled plastic, but the demand is increasing. So, we hope that also there is a push to recycle more. And this is an interesting point about the USA, because my opinion is that this country is behind, as compared with Europe, in recycling, and, okay, although we are not gonna buy recycled plastic in the US because our know, up, up factories in Italy, I think that we would like to open up a debate in the US, very we are, we are small fish, but you know, we, we, we would like to have a voice in pushing more for recycling in, in this country, because this is going to be very important and people care about the environment, so recycling is, is an important thing. So eventually there will be available recycled plastic in the US market. So Okay, we are bottling in Italy, but if another company bottles here, they might have available the product to, to do their plastic bottle with recycled plastic. So this, this is something very important for us. Uh, we are very proud of this, because we are very proud, but we have to be consistent with this, you know, uh, doctrine, philosophy. We have to be innovators. So that's why we like to say that innovation meets tradition when it comes to this, because olive oil is a very traditional product, it's a very, if you want an old-fashioned in the positive sense, product is not processed, it's very natural, very healthy, and so on. But we say, how, how can we innovate? And for example, packaging is an area where you can innovate, and be you know, up-to-date with what the consumer wants, because again, the consumer wants healthy product, wants good-tasting food product, but they want to know who is behind that, and that's why we are investing on the group profile we are investing on in the packaging
0: currently sourcing recycled pet is more expensive than virgin plastic which italia acknowledges is sort of stupid but he noted it's also driving higher purchase intent according to company research purchase intent among key demographics of interest increased 27 percentage points for the new recycled pet bottle In addition, nearly three-quarters of Gen Z consumers surveyed by the company said that they would pay more for sustainable items, with the majority willing to pay up to 10% in price premiums. The company notes the same would apply to 50% of millennials, 34% of Gen Xers, and 23% of baby boomers. The company also is improving the sustainability of what's inside its bottles with the launch of a new collection of sustainable select olive oil, which Achelia explains are fully traceable and certified sustainable.
2: We are also launching some new products, which will be for a different channel. So these are more high-end. Uh, so first of all, the target would be the natural and organic channel, the old food of this world, but then also the ethnic channels and so on. We are launching these products that are coming That olive oil coming from certified sustainable farming. So here, even the product inside is coming from certified sustainable agriculture. At, at the moment the product is much more expensive, there are very few farms in, in the Mediterranean area that are certified sustainable. So, and we like to discover more and more because of course we want more product to be able to sell. So we are, but we are very picky and of course these are certified by ESG, which is one of the big international uh, uh, quality certifying institutes. And so we are very proud also to launch the first certified, um, certified um, sustainable agriculture certified and traceable product. So at the back of the bottle there will be a QR code and consumer will be able to see exactly, go, going through the website, see exactly where the olive that bottle will come from so which pot of land, which trees and, and so on would be very nice. But the traceability is an interesting concept. People start to like to understand where the product comes from. But we are more, much more into the sustainability because I mean, it could be, it's not our product, but it could be traced to a place which is not that great. I mean, <laughs> so we want this trace to a place which we say is fantastic because it is certified, sustainable, the way they uh, treat the trees. The type of uh, fertilizer that they use, how do they harvest, how do they mill, everything has to the the water treatment and the, the what happens to the the, the after the the, the the treatment of the water after being you know given to the to the trees, everything has to be sustainable certified. So this is also very very important. Now it's it's a niche. The product, has on, when it is on the shelf, it is a uh, 25 ounces as well. It, it will have double the price of, of this one, but of course that different market, different consumers. Not everybody, unfortunately, can afford this type of product. But okay, we because we also want to give olive oil to as as many people as possible. So we don't consider olive oil as a an elitarian consumption. That again is not social or sustainable in a sense, because if if only the rich rich people can afford this, that's not good. We wanted as many people as possible can afford a nice product because of course it's very healthy.
0: Each of the olive cultivars used in the collection's oils offer a unique taste profile and experience according to the company, which describes the Smooth Harmony olive oil as delivering hints of fresh grass, thistle, and tomato with a slightly spicy aftertaste. The Hardy Balance product is fruitier with a medium intensity, sense of grass, and a slightly leafy taste. Beyond these oils, the company also is expanding its organic and plant-based offerings with a new organic classic pesto, an organic glaze with balsamic vinegar of Moderna, and an organic balsamic vinegar of Moderna, as well as a new organic flavored extra virgin olive oils. It's also expanding its plant-based offerings with the launch of two vegan pestos, a basil, and a sun-dried tomato option that substitute tofu for the parmesan, all of which are made with more sustainable production methods. These launches and the new packaging are part of a much larger effort to improve the company's sustainability, which is outlined in greater detail in the company's 2020 sustainability report. The report is scheduled to be updated every two years, with the next one slated for publication this year. As illustrated by Wake Farms and Filippo Barrio, the ways in which the CPG industry is moving the needle towards sustainability are diverse and progress is exponential, with innovative solutions reducing packaging and emissions and new farming techniques that not only protect but rebuild the earth. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you enjoyed this installment and will join me again next week. And until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.